Welcome to Feminists Without Mystique, a podcast where we process politics, sex, and the unrelenting firehose of bullshit in the news through an unapologetically feminist lens. Each week we begin by venting about the news, go deep on one important issue, call out terrible things happening below the top headlines in a segment called We See You, and then we'll end with something hopeful. Reminder, if you're just enjoying, if you're just enjoying us, (laughs) if you're enjoying us to rate, review, subscribe, recommend us. It really helps other people discover us. um, And we welcome feedback on uh, our social media, FWM podcast on Twitter and Facebook and Feminists Without Mystique on Instagram. If you want, you can support us on Ko-fi. Um, throw us a couple dollars for hardware, software, other, yeah. other, anywhere, other, other technical needs. Ah, oh, good morning. Good morning to you. Here we are. Here we are. You're drinking out of a Frankenstein mug. It's great. I am. There's a lot of fun, festive Halloween mugs. I'm still uh, staying at my brother's um, until our house is ready in a few days. So, very um, exciting. Living the living the life with the fun children accessories and things. <laughs> adds a little levity to the day, you know. It does. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Although we have the opposite of levity to discuss. We really do. We really do. Yeah. We um. Obviously, last week we talked about the shooting in Uvalde and more and more has come out about the police response or lack thereof um, on that day. Um, As you were saying, there were some kind of whisperings on, more than whisperings, but it was being talked about on Twitter as we were recording, but things weren't clear yet. And so Mm -hmm. as you were speaking to before you recorded, didn't want to be Joe Roganing and (laughs) speaking on things before there was info but now yeah it's not a full investigation done but we know enough uh, we we know enough to know that those um police officers were uh not helpful and in fact may have cost many children their lives due to yeah. some action. and i wanted to just briefly um go over the timeline just to kind of highlight how absurd and ridiculous um them them waiting was so i'm not going to go over every single detail but um the new york times put together a timeline and kind of picked out um some things from it mm-hmm. so at 11:33, the gunman entered the school um there was a door that was not locked originally the police said that the teacher left it open but that's not true. Um, they found that the teacher did close the door, but for some reason the door didn't lock as it was supposed to. So law enforcement was trying to blame the teacher, acting like they were lazy, trying to get their phone from the car, which wasn't what was happening. Mm-hmm. Anyway, enter the school, um, and the two teachers who were murdered had been showing Lilo and Stitch in their classrooms, which was a detail that just... I mean, there are a lot of details that gutted me um, when I was reading this, but so it enters at 11.33, and at 11.35, three police department officers entered the school through the same door. They were grazed by shots. Four more officers soon enter the building, but they're not doing anything. 11.37, 16 more rounds are fired. Officers continue to arrive on the scene. 11.54, people are gathering outside the school. 12.03, been 30 minutes since the gunman entered 19 officers just kind of lurking in the school um the student called 911 whispered that she was in room 112 the call lasted for about a minute and a half um seven minutes later the same student called 911 and said multiple people are dead 1213 called again um 1215 members of the border patrol tactical unit arrived with shields 1216 that same student calls again and says that eight to nine students are still alive um and then there are more 911 calls from other students um, in the interim. 12.36, they call 911 again, that first student. She's told to stay on the line and stay quiet. She tells 911 the gunman shot the door. 12.46, a student on the phone with 911 says she can hear the police next door. 12.47, the student again asks 911 to please send the police now. 12.50, Border Patrol officers unlock and open a classroom door using a master key. They enter. They fire 27 times, killing the gunman. 1251, uh, the girl in room 112 is still on the phone with 911. Officers can be heard moving children out of the classroom, including her. Um, So at 1251, we have the children being moved out. 
11.33, we had the gunman entering the school and we had police on the scene um, within two minutes. But <laughs> despite having a ton of money and a ton of tactical gear that they had been given and training for circumstances like this, there was complete inaction until the um, Border Patrol um, officers showed up. And the amount of time like that the kids were just in, the, like the wounded children, um, we'll never know exactly how many of the kids that died perhaps wouldn't have died mm-hmm. if there had been earlier action. Um, and there are also a lot of children that were injured and a lot of, and even the children who weren't physically injured are going to have, likely have lifelong um, trauma. So it's not just the people who died who were impacted in their families. It's pervasive through ev- everyone who was in that school that day, that entire community. And you've got so many, so many people, particularly on the right, saying we need more, more officers, we need good guys with guns. But we had you know, little girls calling 911, begging for the police to come, and they weren't able or willing to get into the classroom. They were um, handcuffing parents, tasing parents. Um, one of the parents that they handcuffed was able to convince them to unhandcuff her because I guess she knew some of the officers, and she ran into the school and got her kids out. There are other reports of parents getting their own kids out. Um, just, I mean, there's, I'll pause. Yeah. No, no. I mean, hey, it's just that there's a slew of information that does not look good for um, conservative talking points about this. doesn't look good for people who are pushing back against gun reform, which really at this point only seems to be the most conservative people and then all conservatives, the holding positions of power in government, blocking common sense legislation, um, which could happen in so many different arenas, different ways. There are different ways to try to stop future attacks like this. What is so profoundly depressing and that you and I reacted to last week is is that we're not trying anything. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Nothing has been passed. Congress is on vacation right now. And there was a general tone of defeatism from both Chuck Schumer and Joe Biden, which we talked about more. We talked about that last week. But the more details that come out from Uvalde, it knocks down almost every talking point on the right. Like you were saying before we recorded, the good guys with guns were not able to stop this. They were waiting outside the school. They were waiting on a call from, what's his name, Pete Arondo, the the guy who was just sworn in to city council, still thinking about this and thinking about, I mean, thinking about the timeline that you just read and the time, looking through that, that time brutal timeline from the New York Times. I guess I don't understand why we pour so much money and resources into tactical gears and trainings and making sure that police departments have what amounts to essentially like a war chest full of Mm -hmm. gear if they aren't going to go in in the most intelligent way when there's a mass shooting. And at this point in, in our country, every officer should be prepared to respond to a mass shooting event because they happen weekly, almost daily. I mean, people are shot daily in this country, mm-hmm. but what, you know, things that rise to the level of mass shooting still happens so frequently constantly that it, 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 it should be a part of your training and you should be required to pass a certain amount of training and know how to respond to this and know, I, I, don't, I don't even know the, the right words, but like, what is the point of having good guys, quote unquote, good guys with guns? What is the point of having a well-trained force with, with, with military grade gear if that's not a deterrent to shooters? Right. And it's, it's interesting to me that so many on the right are so against, you know, government spending and all this and that, but are so full-throatedly behind pouring money into police forces, so much more than we put into education. Yeah. When it's not effective. It's not an effective use of, of money, of tax dollars, to have these bloated police forces that don't fucking protect the public. And it's not, like, how they acted is, or didn't act, 
I mean, should cause outrage and people should be upset and I'm upset about it. But at the same time, it's not, it, it shouldn't be shocking. Standard policing practices, you're trained to keep yourself safe. And as a number of school resource officers, which is another thing that the people on the right say, just more of those, you know, keep the keep the kids safe. As those have increased over the last 20 years, so has the number of school shootings. There's no evidence that the police have the ability to stop these shootings from happening. Um, and just a little reminder that being a cop isn't even in the top 10 most dangerous jobs in the U.S., um, and for the last two years in a row, I thought this was interesting, considering mm. and considering conservative talking points, um, the leading cause of death among police officers mm. is COVID. Yeah. Sorry, say that again, because I was mming over your whole point. <laughs> mm. uh, for the last two years in a row, the leading cause of death among cops um, is, is COVID. Yeah. Um, including, quote, in the line of duty. So you know, people talk about protecting cops and, and all this and that. Um, and I believe it's around two people a day that police officers kill as well. And only yeah. 2% of major crimes are solved by police. Mm-hmm. Um, so cops don't solve most crimes. And um, The Intercept put um, put out an interesting piece. The Uvalde police didn't move to save lives because that's not what police do. Mm, uh, yeah. They also said police don't prevent crime. They criminalize 90% of the, and this is directly from that, 90% of the almost all Black people stopped under the New York Police Department stop and frisk policy were not committing any crime at all. Um, oh, there's little to no evidence that police surveillance reduces or prevents crime. Um, and Patrick Blanchfield, author of Gun Power, The Structure of American Violence, um, is quoted as saying, U.S. police are trained to maximize control over situations while minimizing their personal risk. That translates into beating parents while a rampage shooter executes their children just as easily as it does. They're rolling up on a kid with a toy gun and executing him seconds later. Yep. And I mean, that's, this is all, this is all true. Like what is, and the Supreme Court basically ruled that like the police don't have to serve and protect. Yeah. <laughs> years ago. Um, yep. It was like 10, 15 years ago, maybe that was, but only 2% of major crimes are solved by police. Police don't prevent crimes. Police don't stop crimes or solve crimes. So while it is deeply upsetting on a human level to hear about their failure here, I mean, they failed those kids and they failed their community, but they did their jobs as they were trained to do in a sense. Yeah. They protected themselves first. And I mean, it's disgusting but it just begs the question, why are we funneling all this money into things that don't work mm-hmm. as we've just lionized the role of police in this country inappropriately? It's not right. to fucking wake up and defund the police and start over because it's not working. Right. Um, none of this is is working. And people are saying the same lies over and over again. Like Ted Cruz saying, we know from past experiences that the most effective tool for keeping kids safe is armed law enforcement on campus. Um, no, false. PolitiFact, yeah. which is nonpartisan, rated that as false. Mm-hmm. Um, there are no studies that show the presence of armed officers keeps people from targeting schools. Um, as I said, the increasing number of resource officers is correlated to increase in school shootings. Um and in May 2018, the shooting at Santa Fe High School where 10 people were killed in Texas, um, there were two police officers there. Yeah. In Texas, Ted Cruz was senator at the time. He went to that school afterwards. He knows this. Right. So, I mean, I do think Ted Cruz is a fucking idiot. Mm-hmm. He also has to know what he's saying is wrong, is completely factually incorrect. And you've got Marjorie. Mm. <laughs> Marjorie Taylor Greene saying America is failing our youngest generations from decades of rejecting good moral values and teachings. We don't need more gun control. We need to return to God. Mm-hmm. Without comment, I will say that the high rates high rates of church attendance are correlated with gun ownership. Um, <laughs> and we've got Ron Johnson from Wisconsin saying um, we stopped teaching values in so many of our schools. Now we're teaching wokeness. We're indoctrinating our children with things like CRT telling some children they're not equal to others and they're the cause of other people's problems. So he's somehow blaming wokeness and CRT um, Mm. 
for this gun violence issue. Um, even though I would, I would guess that places that teach CRT might have lower just, you know, gun ownership levels than places that don't, but that is completely a guess and I have no facts to back that up. He's looking to the 2018, oh, 2018 midterms, God help us, um, <laughs> 2022 midterms mm-hmm. and saying just what, what he knows is going to trigger, trigger conservatives um, and what are convenient talking points for mm-hmm. this moment um, to blame. Again, there are also studies that talk about uh, to the extent that we've been able to even look at police unions and, again, like the totally uneven support that police unions and protect, um, enjoy, support and protection that they enjoy from conservative lawmakers and, and conservatives in general who are generally trend, trend anti-union and anti-labor are often very much in favor of the opaque the laws that are opaque that protect no transparency in the police department that protect um, expunging people's records after three years. um, If there's something on there that's, you know, would be indicative of some sort of violent behavior, which often there, there is a higher correlation between police officers who um, police officers and domestic violence. And then furthermore, police officers who have committed that domestic violence um, will, there's a damning statistic about how many of those people will go on to abuse their power and be violent towards community members or the people they're trying to quote, serve and protect. Um, So there's also that kind of whole element to trying to understand and trying to even map um, violence in the police department and, and um, different dysfunctions when you don't really have access to very much accurate and transparent record keeping due to the strength of, of their unions. Again, like teachers can't get, a, you know, teachers unions and for trying to defang all the other unions um, in the country, but somehow police are strong, <laughs> real strong mm-hmm. um, all over the country. But another, another link with mass shooters, the UCLA school system did a study of mass shooters of all ages and found that um, the common link between all of them is a vehement hatred of women. Um, 80%, 80% had a history of domestic violence, and most of them killed a female relative, like a girlfriend or wife, um, immediately um, prior to the event. In this instance, he killed his, he shot his grandmother before heading to the school. It's just something that continues to frustrate me when we think about the people who are going on these shooting sprees, too. If police could sort of train narrow their focus in terms of who they're who they're trying to target you know or who they're trying to look for who might be um like and and red flag laws would help with this but i also think like all of the ai that is flooding the marketplace for police and like in a lot of ways breaching people's privacy it seems that you could find like one or two very smart data scientists and come up with some sort of scanning program that's looking through Facebook, looking through Reddit threads, looking through, you know, something that is like rapid fire reading and taking in all this information from a lot of different places where people would post red flag behavior. And if there was a, a bit better of moni- monitoring of that, those pe- anyone who says that type of, and I get, I'm, sh- I'm sure some people with free speech would like jump jump up and roar in my face on this but mm, if you're exhibiting violent behavior online if you're writing anything that even hints at an intent to hurt harm people you should not be able to purchase a gun you just shouldn't because this is an epidemic of violence and it should be treated as such you know I, I i think that if we treated the seriousness of gun deaths in this country the same way that we're treating covid it might yield some results but all I'm asking is for people to basically try. Let's try. Let's try yeah. the preempting. Let's try, you know, and, and let's try after the fact. Because obviously we're living in the aftermath of 20 plus years of devastating gun mass shootings. And I guess the last thing, too, on just thinking about something that really frustrates me is the constant, the constant drumbeat. This is sort of a separate thing, but it's just on my brain. So I want to say the constant drumbeat of people when we talk about the anti-choice movement and people who are excited that Roe, Wade, Roe v. Wade is probably going to be overturned, they're constantly talking about the defensive defenselessness of unborn life. And 
I just, I, it, it does every, I mean, the, the, the hypocrisy of feeling like somehow elementary school children are somehow able to do, to defend themselves. I mean, that would be the implication to me from the silence coming from the pro-life movement that somehow, you know, basically like kids aren't defenseless. And it's like, I would, I mean, I, children are like children in public schools, children in private schools, children in schools are defenseless. They're there to learn They're children and it's offensive. <laughs> it's offensive to me, but it is, it is deeply, deeply to my core. So offensive that there's just like re- absolute silence from people who claim to be pro-life or, or people who, you know, if there are still some people who can s- with a straight face say that they're all lives matter, you know, like anyone who uses that language about life, but turns their back on any sort of common sense gun reform and doesn't hold Republican governor's feet to the fire and doesn't hold Joe Biden and Chuck Schumer's feet to the fire on this. You know, what are you doing? What do you actually, you know, we know, we know it's about control of women, but like, just say that, just fucking say that. Yeah. Why is this quote unquote right to bear arms, which does not apply to, AR-15s in the hands of 18-year-olds supersede the right to life for children that are born and are going to school. Right. Um, doesn't doesn't seem to. And they're just like, they keep spouting the same talking points, same ideas. Guess what? Resource officers have been in schools and hasn't been helping. Um, right. So why don't we try something else? Why don't we try something else? Like, right. AR-15... Um, is designed to basically it's a weapon it's built for war Mm -hmm. and when it's fired this is a little graphic but if shot at an adult um the bullets travel with such velocity that they can literally decapitate somebody um they can like eviscerate like six inches around of where they're shot like there's no 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 need for anyone to have this especially an 18 year old um and i believe 18 to 20 um is the age range that is responsible for the majority of these types of mass shootings and there's um suppose there's gonna hopefully be a hearing this week on the protecting our kids act um the House Democrats put together, which would ban large capacity magazines, raise the age at which people can buy semi-automatic weapons from 18 to 21. And then next week, they're supposed to vote on a red flag law, which would ban people from buying or possessing guns if they pose a threat to themselves or others. And like we mentioned last week, close to 90% of Americans, regardless of political party, agree on background checks, mm-hmm. universal background checks for um, for gun purchasing like can we start here can we can we do these things like there's not going to be one piece of legislation that solves this um and i know you know if we do pass things and there's another shooting the right will be like, see it's not solved but like we have to look at data over time when these right. things happen um like we have with the resource the resource officers over the past um couple decades yeah and i just i there are some people that that are optimistic that this will be a moment of at least some progress or change forward. Um, but I am nervy nerve <laughs> at the prospect of that because of such, such a history of inaction on the, on the issue and the fact that so many on the right are just lying through their teeth um, yeah. about what the problem is and about what the solutions are. And when you look at how much money like Ted Cruz, for instance, gets from the NRA and a lot of these people get from the NRA, um, Bernie Sanders uh, it's mm-hmm. it's troubling and like we said mm-hmm. last week it feels like it all comes down to greed which is just so vile when you think of those kids watching Lilo and Stitch and reportedly from one of the surviving kids he the gunman would tell them time to die before he shot each one of them and wow. the inept police who told the kids that they needed help to yell for help the little girl did and she was immediately shot like yep they should have just gotten to watch Lilo and Stitch that day um yeah but because of this toxic fucking place that's not that's not the case you know 
parents sending their kids to school have to be afraid and it's like well what what do you do do you you homeschool and then do you go to the grocery store or church like anywhere yeah is you know is a possible place for a mass shooting and it's not at this point it's not an irrational fear it's kind of a rational fear um and feels like we're living in fucking twilight zone sometimes yeah i mean it's more rational than i mean i think Lots of us, when we get on planes, you know, you just kind of worry. Okay. It's more rational than that mm-hmm. um, by a long shot. Um, another harrowing detail, and I just feel, and I do think it's important to sort of talk about some of these things is because because it's real, because this is what these kids went through, and this is the trauma they're going to live with if they were lucky enough to live. You know, one girl said that she um, was lying next to one of her friends who died um and she smeared blood of her friend on her so that the shooter would think that she was also dead Mm. Mm. no nine and ten year olds do like doing this like how do you think that girl's like gonna move through the world for the rest of her life uh and that's just a feeling that's an unex like yeah i mean we've we've been through the (laughs) it feels redundant to say like that it's so unacceptable but it it really is and another stupid fucking talking point about um and john legend has kind of been retweeting um things about this but talking about how a lot of republicans like to be like well chicago has like high gun violence they get their guns where do they get their guns they get them from neighboring indiana where the because chicago does have relatively strict gun laws but also chicago is not in the top percentile of the most the uh, states with the highest gun mortality according to the cdc uh, mississippi is the highest mississippi louisiana wyoming missouri alabama alaska new mexico arkansas south carolina tennessee montana oklahoma kentucky West Virginia, Georgia, Idaho, Indiana, Nevada, Kansas, Arizona, North Carolina, Colorado, Ohio, Michigan, Delaware, Texas, and then we get to Illinois. So again, and and, and like you said, especially about Ted Cruz, because um, oh, first of all, like the NRA, I guess it's it's also important or feel, feels relevant to mention that the NRA had their held their convention still mm-hmm. last week. Were guns allowed? Guns were not allowed. <sighs> wonder why are, are guns a threat <laughs> <laughs> i would love for them to have issued an actual statement about why guns weren't allowed at their convention yeah so mm. it's also by the way if you look at any of the pictures from the convention and you see all the different ar-15s that they're just like selling to people you know like anyone with so many loopholes basically anyone can can get these guns legally yeah. basically like broadly almost anyone can get these it, they're fucking scary like if i saw someone walking down the street with an ar-15 and by the way i don't even like i mean it gets really rural very quickly in in washington state and i do not like driving past stores like those ar-15 stores because it just it freaks me the fuck out it's like there's no reason for it you're not hunting with an ar-15 mm-hmm. you're basically like yeah it's um but it's just been I guess, you know, it's now been a week since the shooting. And um, I I think I fear that we're still going to – the Congress isn't going to be able to pass anything. I don't don't know where those 60 votes come from. I know Chris Murphy of Connecticut, who was senator during the Sandy Hook shooting, and he's – this is one of his – the issues that he's most passionate about. He has said that he's talking to Republicans and he's hopeful that they can get 60 votes um, for some sort of compromise legislation so that something gets passed. I-, I worry that we're going into the summer and pretty soon when, when Roe v. Wade is overturned, which tis the season because it's June. So mm-hmm. any, any day now, um, like that's going to move to the forefront and then there's midterms and there's just no way like if there ever was a moment which you would think like again like a deadly shooting of 19 kids and two teachers would be a moment um i worry that it's going to pass um without without accountability and then i also have this sort of queasy feeling about 
exactly what will happen with these officers in Uvalde. Like, there is this element of people who, you know, they all say they're just following orders, and that's instilled in military and police uh, command so powerfully. I mean, it was part Nazis, of the yeah. right Nazis. Yes, 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 yes. Crimes against humanity done because you're just following orders, Un- unconditional obedience. Russians, yeah. Russians, right? And and so these people who were in the school for one entire hour while the shooter was wreaking havoc. Um, I, 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 I hope that there's accountability for the people who actually made the decision, which would include the new city council member, Pete Arondo, who was elected with like 70% of the vote in Uvalde. Mm-hmm. I, I just want to make sure that like there's accountability from the decision makers. I, I want, mm-hmm. I want those people, the decision makers to answer for their, for their decision that led to, probably most likely we don't know but we kind of know i mean we know that if they they went in after two minutes of being on the scene five minutes of being on the scene 15 minutes of being on the scene anything is better in terms of a rapid response than over an hour and i i just don't want there to be scapegoats here i want it to be the people who made the decisions Mm -hmm. and then i want police officers who are who are the the footmen <laughs> to basically really think think hard about what just following orders what does that result in sometimes mm-hmm. and and how do we have a how, how how are there how is there a is there a way to better train police officers well of course there is I'm sure there are way better ways than whatever's in place right now um but is there a way to basically acknowledge that when pe- when the police officers are on the ground and they're like and they're in in the school i mean i i still am not clear on how there was a disconnect between and i feel like it's just willful ignorance between the person making the decisions and the police because you're telling me there was a misunderstanding for over an hour that this was not an active shooter situation or like that that the shooter was contained and there were no kids in danger. Like I, I still from reading the, the New York times awful timeline from reading accounts. It's like, I just, I, I don't, I don't understand. I do not understand where that disconnect actually originated and how it was able to sit and be the predominant narrative for the crucial hour where there were armed people who are, like you said, you know, quote, serve and protect is, is broad and not necessarily their real job, but like at some point, why was the intervention? How, how did that intervention take so long? Yeah. I don't know. And, um, the, during the news conference on last Friday, the director of DPS, um, Colonel Stephen McCraw said that the delayed police entry into the classroom was the wrong decision. And then it seems like, um, from everywhere I've seen, except for Fox News, that the Uvalde Police Department and the Uvalde Independent School District Police Force are not cooperating with the Texas Department of Public Safety's investigation into the shooting anymore. I'm glad you Which, brought that up. Yeah, the only I saw a headline from Fox that said that they are cooperating, and everything mm-hmm. else was saying that they weren't. Um, mm-hmm. So. Yeah, that's hilarious. Fox does say that. I'm looking at just Mm -hmm. like the news response from Google. (laughs) Police cooperating from Fox. No longer cooperating from ABC, Texas Tribune, CBS, CNN. God, they are really next level. Yeah. Yeah. Just stumbled upon that this morning. (laughs) Interesting. Very different perspective. Well, it's also interesting that police would not be cooperative when there's... Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. I wonder why. Um, but, and that, you know, Hey, you could use the police and law enforcement's questioning, use their, their rhetoric right against them in this case. Well, if you have nothing to hide, why aren't you cooperating? Why won't, you know, police say that all the time. They're not, they didn't cooperate with the police investigation. Well, you know, you're not cooperating with the probe. Um, like, if you really could stand behind your behavior, which you obviously can't, and which, like you said, the guy who was the, the police chief who said, obviously, it was the wrong decision. 
Um, you know, and I do have an element of, of empathy for that, for those people, because for, for that guy and for, for, for law enforcement who are at all involved in this, um, you know, I, I'm sure there's a great deal of, of regret, hopefully, gosh, I mean, maybe yeah. I'm extending them something that they don't, that they actually don't feel, but I would think for most, most people that were involved, there's, there's gotta be some element of like, yeah. you know, you know that you failed your community deeply. Sure, at least some of them feel guilty as they should, and they shouldn't be in this. Like, we have, if we wanted policing, if we wanted the policing model as it exists to work, I mean, it can't. It's like built on like white supremacy and whatnot. But if mm-hmm. the ideal imagination of policing in this country were true, mm-hmm. and it wasn't built on white supremacy and all that hot garbage. We would need different people in the job because right now, I mean, there are a few good apples, but overall, (laughs) (laughs) the system is fucked and people Mm -hmm. like you, you spoke to the domestic violence aspect. A lot of the people that are drawn to policing as it exists now are violent fucking sociopaths, honestly. And Mm -hmm. um, I don't believe that all the Uvalde police officers are violent sociopaths, I think. Um, a lot of them just despite all their training and being well armed um, weren't up to that job you know I'm sure plenty of them are maybe decent humans in other aspects of life like I'm sure I would be terrified in that situation too but you had mothers and fathers running through windows to save their kids you had teachers giving up their lives for these kids um, but not the officers. I'm not saying it's not scary to be in that situation, but it's a different line of work. Yeah. You, know? you, you don't have to. And, yeah. We need to reimagine what policing is and what the qualifications for it are and who should be doing it um, because it's not working as evidenced by Uvalde and also the last, uh, since the inception of policing. Yeah. I mean, and also like, it works in other countries where not every officer, not every investigator is like bashing down doors with a gun. Um, if you watch any UK crime shows <laughs> at all or mystery shows, there's lots of moments where like they are not, they don't just like, full, you know, have guns, you know, they'll call for backup. You'll be nervous for them even. You'll be like, mm-hmm. oh my goodness, this person doesn't, isn't armed and it seems like they're in a dangy situation. Um, but uh it should be so, so, so difficult to become a police officer who holds a gun. Um, you know, it's it should really, really, really be an elite um, role yeah. that you're serving because it's it's you are you do hold life in your hands. It's it's a sacred thing, and people trust you. Some people trust you. Right. Um, Every cop doesn't need a gun. Every cop does not need a gun. They have shown that they are not, not, not capable. The second, and the second you, you abuse it, you know, because, because of how serious it is. And I'm not saying that it wouldn't be hard because like, first of all, I mean, I'm, I'm terrified by guns, but if I had to become a cop and I had to hold a gun, you know, what I would want is like, I basically, if there was any slip up of any sort, like regardless of if no one was hurt, you know, I would want the gun taken away from that person, whether it was me or a colleague, like do not let people who are, who have proven that they can't, it is too important that you not make mistakes with guns Mm -hmm. that like, if you are a law enforcement officer who has made a mistake, that gun should be, you know, that gun should be taken away. Also another sort of thing with like the culture of policing seems like people protect their colleagues they protect Mm -hmm. their partners they shield them they make excuses they come up with a story that makes sense and that is excusable and that is that um again it helps that the there's a huge lack of transparency and accountability broadly um in police departments across the country um and so that would need to change and it's like you said i mean it's not that there shouldn't be i think law enforcement and law enforcers but um it's just like the modern way that we have everything all set up is it's not working it's not working it's not working i'd like to see one like coherent argument for policing working as it is today it doesn't yeah. exist. 
it doesn't work. It doesn't work. And we need to put our tax dollars towards something else because giving them their, their fancy toys isn't helping. Right. It's just going towards like attacking protesters that are peacefully protesting. Right. It's just like the, the force that you use against defenseless people versus the force used against a gunman who's murdering children. Doesn't quite add up, but I'll, I'll leave my thoughts there on the topic. Yeah, exactly. No. And I'll just, I'll end with like, it, it's, um, it doesn't mean that I'm not interested in public health and public safety. You know, I think that there's a conversation around defund the police, Mm -hmm. you know, people immediately are like, well, that's, that's scary and unrealistic. And it, it doesn't mean that it's a reallocation of resources. It's, it's a, it's a rethinking, um, that I think there would, would still, and I would probably want, because I think there are violent criminals and as someone I, I would want, I still want some, a police force that I trust and that has proven themselves and that feels like a really intelligent iteration, mm-hmm. um, to have guns for when it's absolutely needed. Like that's in a world that, um, that doesn't exist right now. So we're investing in the wrong things, you know, like the number one determinant of violent crime in an area is poverty. So if we lift people out of poverty, Mm -hmm. give people access to education, resources, um, jobs with living wages, that could help the the problem as well. But yeah, anyway, I digress. (laughs) Oh man. Well, I know there's a lot to say on this, but is there anything else you want to say before we wrap and start our work days? LOL. <laughs> I think I hit my, the main points I wanted. I mean, I could talk in circles and get yeah. worked up for literally all day. Yeah. Um, me too. But I think I've hit all my coherent points before I just become old man yells at cloud. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm, I feel very close to that too. There's a lot. And they'll continue to be a lot and we'll continue to talk about it, especially as, um, as we look to see if there have been any laws, any actual legislation <laughs> that comes out of this. So would be great. Wouldn't it? <laughs> and now for we see you. All righty. Um, I remember when I was watching Glee, when it came out, a lot of like sad shit has come out of that, um, cast and. Yeah, it's been tough. Yeah, it's been rough. But uh, Matthew Morrison, who played, um, I think Mr. Shu was it Mr. Schuster, perhaps? He was the the curly-haired teacher on the show, um, (laughs) who gave me, like, a little bit of a sketch vibe. Uh, Mm -hmm. Well, turns out IRL, there's more than a sketch vibe. He was fired from So You Think You Can Dance. Um, He was hired on to be a judge. he was fired for sending um, flirty, inappropriate. I hate the classification of flirty, but it keeps being reported on. It's flirty. Mm. Uh, yeah. It's flirty as if it's fun. Yeah. Uh, text to a um, contestant. And a lot of the response I've seen, um, not shockingly, is, well, it's just, I mean, it's innocent. It's just texts, you know, like, mm. what are, uh, PC, woke, uh. you should be able to, even if you're, if you're working in a dancing show or you're working in an office or you're working in a medical, no matter where you're working, you should be able to work without someone who is in a position of power over you, making you feel uncomfortable or like they want a sexual romantic relationship with you mm-hmm. because then that puts your, your your job and your your performance at risk mm-hmm. it's like plenty of jobs I've had I've been on the receiving end of that including when I was 18 like the and 17 and mm-hmm. the counselor and the sketchy texts I get and then I get like the worst duties when I wouldn't like flirt back and it's just like yeah it's it's not physical rape yeah however why why so often when these things come out do people have to justify them as being not that bad can there be a spectrum of behavior where all of it's unacceptable Mm -hmm. you don't need to be violently assaulted in order like why why can't we just accept 
inappropriate um, texts or messages from your boss, from anyone in the workplace when you're at work, mm-hmm. your tolerance, let's not do it. Yeah. Um, so I am glad that they fired him from the show for that. Yeah. I don't know if 10 years ago that would have happened. Right. Um, so we see you to Matthew Morrison and to all of the people who are like, it's not that big of a deal. You should be able to work without feeling like you need to like hook up with somebody or make them believe that you might in order right. to do well. Um, yeah. Can we, can we move on from that? Can we just all work in the workplace without trying to sex at each other, especially if it's someone who you are in a position of power over, you know, this isn't even peer to peer. Yeah. We yes. see you, Matthew sketch, sketch boy. Yeah. We see you. That's so creepy and disappointing. Uh, mm-hmm. The Glee cast legacy continues to be super yucky. Yeah, yeah there's Mark sailing like pedophilia, and then he killed himself. God, yeah, yeah. A lot of, and then the drama. Anyway, yeah, God, and the other guy, um, yeah, Corey, Corey, overdosed. Okay. Anyway, anyway, um, all right. So this is just um another sort of on the police violence spectrum. Just shouting out um a another um unarmed or shooting of an unarmed black woman um this was in kansas city um someone there were bystanders who um, saw it and videoed the aftermath um eyewitnesses say that the woman had her hands um her hands were up when they were shooting and the police handcuffed her while she was literally bleeding out on the pavement and that you can see in the video um this is a 26 year old woman leona hale she is in um, critical condition, um, but you can see in the video cops putting their putting her in handcuffs after they shot her, um, and she's on the ground. It's just like, okay, I mean, even if she didn't have her hands up, and like if I take for a given, which I'm not, um, anything that the police say, um, this woman is at this point obviously unarmed and bleeding on the pavement, and maybe we get her in ambulance and um, deal with the like handcuffing later when it was so obviously not necessary again like this is taking for granted that there was any reason to just like shoot this woman um in the parking lot um the police allege that it was an attempt to arrest a woman and a man in connection with a suspected stolen vehicle again is that a justification for shooting someone i feel like no um and eyewitnesses um say that that's doesn't add up um and it ended up with her they they eyewitnesses say that her hands were up and um she was shot five times um and someone said you know an eyewitness said she did not pull out a weapon on them um she did not even have a stick in her hand um the woman ran three steps away from the officers and then the officers shot five times um so it's just um and the Kansas City Defender says, uh, draws the connection saying many community members are already placing the event in the contrast with the Buffalo massacre, asking how police can safely apprehend a white man who committed mass murder, but brazenly shoot a black woman five times who posed no threat and had her hands up. Sensible questions. Um, Very sensible. Another example of the great policing in this country. Right. Exactly. Um, so that's just a shout out um, to that uh, terrible uh, terrible story, which I'm sure more information will come come out about. Um, but um, Leona Hale is alive and in stable, stable but severe severe condition. Um, suffers from a broken arm, collapsed lung, and two bullets remain lodged inside her body. Um, and you can follow the Kansas City Defender, or um, I think the Kansas Star Ledger is also reporting on it. But there's a big long thread in the Kansas City Defender on it and her how to help her or her family um at the bottom we see you we see you um over in disney star wars world um we have obi-wan kenobi star moses ingram who is a black woman um and (laughs) star wars disney star wars stands are upset um (laughs) She spoke out on Instagram um, Tuesday morning, and she said that there are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of racist um, messages that she's been receiving. She shared some screen, um, some screenshots of some of them. 
just called the n-word and tons of racial slurs um someone said you suck loser you're a diversity hire and you won't be loved or remembered for this acting role and someone said how the fuck does an alien know ebonics just like wow. a ton of awful ridiculous racist shit um just as a reminder in 2022 we're not we're not past it i remember obama was elected <laughs> um, but still not past it and disney um did release a statement supporting her and speaking out against racism, but Disney has also done plenty of racist shit long yeah. history ago. And recently um, they doctored posters to remove um, black actors from certain movies. And then they're like, they're posters in China that they put out for black Panther. They covered his face and wow, they what? removed um, one of the black actor, the only black actor on the cover of one of the Star Wars posters from the cover. Just photoshopped him out. Um, oh my god! So they've been they've been they've been doing this. So I am glad that they released the statement of support. But we also need to keep an eye on Disney <laughs> and on these um, corporations who are tokenizing people and sort of using them as they see fit. Um, and then disposing of them in markets where they think maybe maybe we shouldn't have a black person on the cover of this. You know, it's not good for the bottom line. Mm. So we see you to um, the racist trolls who have way too much time on their hands and way too much hate in their hearts um, who feel compelled to reach out to this woman with their hateful messages. And it's like, you know what? The, the messages of Star Wars... Mm. are not <laughs> like if you actually like star wars um and i grew up in a family where many people very much enjoyed star wars yeah the message isn't of you know exclusion of people who are other there's so many species <laughs> yeah um but anyway regardless <sighs> of what the the franchise is this common theme of people pouring hateful racist shit at actors who are cast in roles who are not white yeah is absurd it needs to stop grow up get the fuck over yourselves yeah it's diverse it's a fucking fantasy world why can't why does everyone need to be white what right is, jar jar binks yeah it's like <laughs> stop so we see you we see you that's awful and disappointing and i've really i thought that she's she's like one of the best parts of this new series um <laughs> In my opinion, <laughs> but just like so gross that she has to deal with that, and um, yeah, fuck that. Um, this one is just calling out that um, a twenty-year-old Emmanuel Sullivan died at Rikers Island um, two days ago, uh, and he's the sixth and youngest death behind bars this year, and that sixteen people died last year um, in the. New York City correction system. This is according to Reuven Blanc, um, reporter on <laughs> reporter on Twitter. No, he's he's a reporter, but I'm reading him from Twitter. Um, and uh, it's really depressing um, thinking about like all of the abuses I think that happen at Rikers specifically, but in corrections facilities makes me sick to my stomach. Um, New York City spends more per detainee than other big cities by a huge factor. Like almost, what is it? They New York spends four hundred and eight thousand dollars per annual per detainee annually. Miami is the second largest, and they only spend slightly over one hundred thousand. So what's that? Four times more New York. Um, so yeah, it just really depresses me. I feel like especially considering that lots of people are held at Rikers who haven't actually had a trial yet. They've just been arrested and they can't make bail. Um, some, some people are in their years, like over a year. Um, um, I think Khalif Browder, I think was someone who was there for, he, he was innocent of the crime he was charged with. Um, and he was held in Rikers waiting for his trial for over a year. And then, just ended up really like fucking with him obviously and then I think he, he did end up killing himself um uh that was I think a story from Ava DuVernay's documentary the 13th um I'm 
probably going to fact check this before we, <laughs> but um, I'm almost positive that all those things are true. Um, but there's a lot of horrific shit um, that comes out about, about Rikers. And um, I guess it's just like, I feel like a 20 year old. Um, I mean, we, we owe everyone so much better than the correction system that we have. Um, and anyone going in should be coming out uh, in the same condition, ideally better condition than they're going in. Um, uh, so yeah, that's just, we see you to that shitty piece of news. <laughs> All right. And lastly, Elon Musk just lost my mind being Elon Musk. He, he tweeted, the reason you're not that funny is because you're woke. Humor relies, tell me what humor relies on, on an intuitive and often awkward truth being recognized by the audience, but wokeism is a lie, which is why nobody laughs. Okay, like, first and foremost, why is Elon Musk the expert of humor and comedy? Um, he's not. He's just has a bunch of money, and so he thinks that he is the most special, wonderful person in the world. I wish he could really deeply internalize what a basic shitbag he is. <laughs> But anywho, empathy, <laughs> empathy and understanding like fellow humans and their experiences or trying to, that's kind of at the heart of what a lot of people refer to as wokeness. And mm-hmm. being adept at observing and understanding are pretty central to good comedy. So actually, I would argue an understanding of wokeness could predispose you to be better at, at humor and at comedy. But what I really want to do is read a couple of his, <laughs> his jokes. <that> <laughs> 69.420% of statistics are false. See, he used 69 and 420. So <laughs> Another one, 69 days after 420 again. Ha ha. Another one. Due to inflation, 420 has gone up by 69. Another one, only $69.420. I... Hi, comedy. I... I... I can't like this is the this is the the highbrow how is that him um his intuitive <laughs> truth is that intuitive truth elon or are you just saying 69 and 420 a million fucking times like <laughs> sit down you don't have to put every thought that pops in your stupid fucking head on the internet i <laughs> hate him he is just like the example of the mediocre white man, but just like achieving, quote unquote, achieving at the highest level and thinking like he deserves it. Mm-hmm. He's a shitbag. He's a piece of shit. He is trash. And I hope he goes <laughs> to the moon and he stays there. I can't. I see you, Elon Musk. You are not funny. You are not talented. You are the worst. Oh, that's hilarious. How do you really feel? <laughs> I hate him. I hate him. Oh, God. Yeah, he's he has a lot of. He has a lot of problems. Yeah. Um, most most annoyingly for me is that we, like, he continues. He's always trending on Twitter for some reason. I always feel like I have to address something related to him. Like, he's the center of gravity mm-hmm. in all things, but specifically Twitter. It's like, oh, man. <sighs> 69, 420. Like, how, so many tweets about it, too. It's like, I, we all say stupid jokes sometimes. I'm sure I've done the same. But, like, I'm also not out there being, like, intuitive uh, humor. <laughs> I know. Oh my gosh. That is like such a silly thing. It's dumb. Um, yeah. Um, my last VCU is, um, this is actually from a while ago, but I had it and it's just, it actually has bugged me for however long this was happening, which was people were, people hate Amy Schumer and they are so, so nasty about her in a way that I just feel like personally defensive of, Mm -hmm. um, because, I have yet to see very many actual real reasons why you would be this vitriolic and awful. Um, I like she, Amy Schumer wore an unflattering dress situation, kind of like it was like a dress coat. It was all black. Um, I think she wore sunglasses. It was just not a super flattering outfit to the, uh, to the Met gala. But um there are lots of actors and actresses who wear things that are unflattering to the Met Gala. Frankly, sometimes I'm assuming that that's the point. It's like, I'm so pretty or I'm so like haute couture that like, this is obviously ugly or like batshit insane for me to wear. And like, that's kind of all part of the point. It's like, but, um, 
so she wore this thing that everyone but and so people were just people were so nasty um to her uh and I, I had a bunch of screenshots on it when I was like at the beginning of May, which seems like so long ago that it was, this was, and then I think like the Roe v. Wade happened, the Roe v. Wade thing happened. And I was like, well, we're not doing what we see years. Um, people are, people would say things like, um, uh, horror themed Met Gala and, um, all Amy Schumer had to do was show up. Um, <clears throat> someone said, um, Amy Schumer has got to have blackmail on everyone in Hollywood because I have genuinely never met a single person alive who likes her. I just cannot believe she has a career with some sort of um, without some sort of blood pact. Um, and then uh, someone, you know, people definitely find Amy Schumer funny. I've just never met any of them. Um, and someone else, who's Amy Schumer's audience? Um, who actively spends time and money to consume Amy Schumer's content. I've never met anyone in real life that enjoys anything Amy Schumer related. It's just like, and this is on and on and on. And it like, so it's not even about really her out. Like there's, there were so many layers of shit about, about Amy Schumer and the Met Gala. It was like, people were mad at what she was wearing. They were mad that she was invited. They were mad that it wasn't like, she wasn't like the most pretty person there by their standards. And then they just went on to insults like her comedy and her, her craft. And, um, there's, I, I did some Googling after this cause I was sort of like, okay, what, what, what is that? What do people actually say is the issue with Amy Schumer? Well, there's one accusation that she stole jokes. There's three women who have, have at different points over the last like 15 years said that she stole jokes. Two of them have, two of them backed off immediately on questioning. Like anyone, the follow-up didn't pan, didn't yield any results. The third said that Amy Schumer reached out to her because she was so want and wanted to make it right, and because she was sort of like so disturbed that there would be this accusation that she stole jokes, um, and seems to be in a good place. This third person, third, they were all women in the comedy scene, um, and it seems like the the third person said Amy Schumer took it really seriously, was like wanting to make it right, didn't really, you know. But ultimately, demonstrably, it didn't seem like any of these were actually real joke stealing kind of similarly to that Ed Sheeran lawsuit. And there was one other, one other lawsuit of the um, levitating like Dua Lipa. There are two, those two songs have been sued recently because they sound very, very, very similar to other artists. And I don't know exactly what is copyright infringement or what isn't, but they both sound very similar. And I think in both cases, the court said, no, this is, this is different. And there's, it's it's likely that you you hadn't heard it, but you're just like you're coming up with a similar tune. So that's kind of the same with like sex jokes that I think like these jokes that Amy Schumer was um, that some people say like she stole jokes. It's like, well, did you do any research? And then did you look at the jokes or the people or anything like to back this up? Because it collapses when you do research on this. Um, and then the other thing would be and this is definitely the thing that I like feel like is the most cringy about her um and I'm a I'm a huge fan um is when in 2011 she had a special that had some racism in it but she was playing and I'm, I'm saying but but it's not like it's to excuse it she's playing the reason is that she's playing a character who's sort of this like ditzy Long Island like asshole and like she's sort of having this whole like she's putting on this whole character for like a long period of time and it's pretty clear that that's not necessarily how she feels, at least to me, or I would hope so. And she's apologized for that and said she's grown in her comedy and, um, you know, she wouldn't tell those jokes, um, today, mm -hmm. but, um, she's actually, she's an incredibly smart comedian. She has, a, but she's also done a lot with social justice. Um, she's even, she's gotten arrested, um, during the Kavanaugh hearings, but she, um, has, I don't need to tell you preaching to the choir, but like, ever since um, Inside Amy Schumer had, I mean, there's, I'm still to this day referencing things from that all the time. Like the Milady sketch. Um, there was something yesterday that was like totally random that I was, oh, like eating a muffin while you're in a boutique store because they, like the bitchy woman who owns the store gives you a muffin because that's where the people who can't afford, can't fit into any of these clothes sit and they just eat a muffin while they cry. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> there's just so much that she did before other people and better than other people um, in Inside Amy Schumer and in her comedy. Um, and then she's she's had great movies um, and uh, she's exposed a lot. of I think she spoke to um, a lot of things that 
for me in my 20s and in my early 30s. Um, I, you know, I find her to be a great comedian um, and a great commentator on the world. Um, and she she knows how to strike with her Life of Beth series on Hulu. She manages to be bittersweet and um, speak to some more serious issues. And she always has. And she's an advocate for lots of different um, causes that I care about. And um, she's always out front and center on that. And she had a Brave series where she literally took you in graphic detail through her really harrowing pregnancy, which was unpleasant all three um, trimesters. Anyway, that's all to say, I just like feel like there's this really strong contingent of people who are lazy and hateful and who, who hate her for like no reason. Um, and it's just ignorant and really, really gets my goat. So we see you to those haters. <laughs> Your goat is got. Um, <laughs> as far as a good thing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean... Oh, man. Good-ish. Um, there was a gun buyback event in exchange for gas cards in Sacramento, and they ran out of gas cards in under an hour. Um, Yay! Yeah, so okay. that, more guns off the streets. I mean, too bad about gas prices, am I right? <laughs> but good, you know, of yeah. course, it's an asterisk, as many of our good things are, that we have to be, that we have such a problem with guns in, in the country, but I'm glad to see at least one example of guns being taken off the streets so yeah it's a few less guns yeah yeah Yeah. now we should do that on a national level (laughs) that's a great idea oh man well that probably does it for us this uh this week um feminist without mystique is part of the frolic podcast network find more podcasts you love at frolic.com slash podcast bye